Hi and welcome to the latest Trending Tech podcast. I'm Jeremy Cowan, co-founder of the technology sites iot-now.com, the evolving enterprise and vanillaplus.com who are our joint sponsors today. It's great to have you here for the latest, sometimes serious, sometimes lighthearted look at digital transformation for enterprises. And today, it's a pleasure to be joined on the pod by Perry Krug, Director of Shared Services at Couchbase. Couchbase is described as the modern database for enterprise applications. So as we tackle a topic that is literally mission critical, Perry, welcome to the Trending Tech Podcast. Fantastic, Jeremy. Thank you so much for having me on. And I'm delighted we also have here Ash Finnegan, who is Digital Transformation Officer at Conga. Conga delivers scalable revenue lifecycle management solutions, and I've been practicing saying that, to help companies, as they say, crush operational complexity. I really like that description. We should do more crushing of complexity. Ash, it's good to have you on the podcast too. Hi, Jeremy. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, first, we're going to look at the big picture on the tech scene. I want to look at two recent tech news stories that you've brought along. And then we're going to discuss the problems and solutions for enterprises delivering digital transformations and also the difficulties for companies deploying artificial intelligence in revenue operations. And when all that's covered in our closing What the Tech section, we'll probe a couple of stories that amused or amazed us. So what have you spotted in the news lately, Perry, and where do you find it? Sure, Jeremy. So uh, we came across an an article by uh, McKinsey, the worldwide renowned uh, consulting firm, looking back uh, over the last couple of years um, on the the digital transformation uh, that's been going on for for much longer than that, and really looking at what do businesses uh, need to to consider now, um, and and also where are some of the leaders uh, having the the most success. Uh, entitled uh, Three New Mandates for Capturing a Digital Transformation's Full Value uh, by uh, by McKinsey. Came to no surprise. Um, It's good validation that uh, something like nine in 10 organizations um, have have pursued a a major digital transformation in the the last two years, right? We saw that happening pre-pandemic, and it has accelerated dramatically uh, because of some of the the situations that the the pandemic forced us into in terms of remote working um, and hybrid uh, working in terms of supporting um, consumers in in services that they were no longer able to obtain in in person. Um, And it really forced uh, some of the uh, legacy organizations on on the edges that were maybe not uh, investing as heavily or not being quite as bold really forced them, some would say, kicking and screaming into the, the digital age um, because they just they had no other choice uh, when the world uh, shut down for, for two uh, or, or more years in, in some cases. Yeah, I thought that was a really interesting story. And I particularly uh, was drawn to the focus on attracting and developing tech-savvy executives uh, and integrating them this kind of talent into the organization. Because we all know what a, a nightmare it is at the moment to uh, find and retain the right talent. Uh, so I thought McKinsey were absolutely on the money with that aspect of it, because it's a problem not just in the most technology-focused organizations, but in all organizations trying to deal with digital transformation. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and the, the talent is is hard to come by at, at all levels, but I think we've we've passed whatever inflection point it was that that digital and tech is only for uh the, the digital and tech companies. It's it's now a, a ubiquitous part of everybody's consumer lifestyle um, and, and really needs to be woven through uh, nearly every uh, layer of, of their organization in order for them to uh, to, to remain competitive and, and respond to their to their market. And what's caught your eye in the news, Ash? Uh, one of the key things is around the new data strategy um, and how it aims to close digital divide between the NHS and social care. Um, this really caught my eye is because one data is one of the biggest topics in every organization right now. And when I look at normal enterprise businesses worrying and thinking about how to manage data and the things they need to do with data, a lot of it is around business rules and processes. And this, I guess, for me, really caught my attention because it's talking around, obviously, a lot more sensitive data and a lot of where they're trying to use data that could really drive people into a state of worry, but could also massively improve processes. So for me, it's all around making people go along on that transformation journey that maybe do not work in the technology space. And the commitment the NHS is making people to feel safe, to want to share data, that systems and technology is moving in a way um, that can really protect people and enable them to scale and share information which are very siloed across the NHS and social care. For anyone who's not listening in the UK, uh, the NHS is the National Health Service, uh, which is the UK's um, nationwide social care and healthcare uh, scheme, and obviously has access to an extraordinary amount of data. But uh, there are clearly sensitive aspects to sharing that data. So it comes to a government level for discussion. Thank you, Jeremy. And yeah, I guess for me, it's um, the kind of the, the really caught my eye is that actually to see the government want to actually take on this challenge and build up confidence um, with obviously people, but also within the systems. There's always been a gap with the NHS and the reputation that the public sector aren't transforming as well as they should be. So this focused approach and actually giving it not just around the data, but it's how it's shared, accessed and updated um, is going to be a really interesting challenge for the government in areas where they have been proven to not be very successful. Yeah. Yeah, this could be enormously, well, it, it's not too strong to say it could be game changing for the health service uh, in terms of the quality of care it could offer. But there will be, a, I'm sure, an awful lot of political discussion to be had. Yeah, definitely. Right, let's turn to the core of today's podcast, which, as I said before, is about the problems of digital transformations. I mean, we hear all the time about the growing number and importance of enterprise digital transformations. I'm going to call those DX for short. Um, for example, I learned the other day from Couchbase that investments in DX are expected to increase by something like 50% year on year in the next 12 months, which is an extraordinary uh, investment uptick. Yet it seems that transformations often have their difficulties, don't they? Uh, companies, of course, prefer the term challenges, but let's call a spade a spade. Some of these are significant problems. Perry, 
on the one hand, we hear that DX investments are booming, but confusingly, we also hear that more than $4 million worth uh, of waste is experienced every year just in the UK on failed, delayed, or scaled back projects. Why? Why is this? Well, I mean, I think it's I think it's fair to, to say that as as the exposure to DX uh, increases, uh, and, and we see that with the investment increasing and the, the range of organizations uh, <clears throat> trying to, to take advantage of uh, of that, trying to follow in the footsteps of of some of the leaders who have been doing it for for years, or or in fact built their entire business around it. Um, as that as that pyramid expands, um, there's there's more opportunity for for churn and more opportunity for um, for mistakes or missteps uh, along the way. You know, four million sounds like a large number, but I think we're always going to see some uh, degree of of you know either attrition or scale back. Projects or challenges, uh, as you as you tactfully put it, um, in in each individual organization um, going along. There's no playbook. There's no specific uh, textbook that says if you do this in this way, it will result in that. Um, there's there's so many other factors, um, but that doesn't change the real world situation that organizations are being forced. Uh, and are, are taking opportunities to take their own digital transformations um, on on board, and and there's still a large, uh, you know, a very large portion that are reaping rewards from it by doing it in the the best ways that they that they can, and focusing on the right areas for innovation. And apparently, in the past year, and I'm sorry if it, we're stat heavy today, but nearly four out of five enterprises have improved their end user experiences. So speaking as a consumer who I have to confess gets rather frustrated with enterprises who clearly haven't tried using their own websites, and I'm looking at you, airlines and insurance companies, <laughs> uh, I'm encouraged to hear of these improvements. I mean, can you give me some hope here, Perry? Give me an example of an enterprise or, or a vertical that's making this a priority area. Yeah, um, I think it's the the fact that you're not pulling your hair out every single time you go online. Um, that's that's <laughs> indicative of of the progress that we're that we're making. It makes those laggards stand out even more. Uh, and I completely uh, agree with you and, and feel your pain, um, especially being at a company that that we our bread and butter. What we focus on is is helping make those end user experiences better. I I go to some of these websites, um, banks uh, especially. Uh, travel websites, um, and I can just see all the obvious areas for for improvement, and I and I wonder why, uh, as you said, uh, these companies aren't aren't using their own using their own websites. But in in terms of hope, I, I think it's it's maybe we don't we don't talk about all of the the positives and all of the the really nice uh, experiences that we're having because they've just become ubiquitous in our. Uh, in our life, uh, we we bounce from uh, from Facebook to Instagram to LinkedIn to YouTube to Netflix, um, and everything by and large just just works. And we don't you know we don't notice it, so we don't we don't stand out. Then we we drop on to uh, and I won't I won't name or, or shame some of the uh, mortgage institutions that I've been dealing with lately, um, but we drop into there. Uh, estate and the the app looks different than the website does. You can you can only update one part of your profile over there. Uh, you have to print out, sign, and and post uh, an application um, when you know their their competitors allow for all of that to be done uh, digitally and and online. So um, we're still in a in a massive uh, change management 
world right now. We're still in a, a massive period of, of churn where uh, there are those uh, those laggards and those uh, organizations that just haven't uh, quite figured out um, either that they need to do it or, or maybe they figured out that they need to, but they just don't know where to where to start. And that's it's it's troubling, uh, but they are are quick to be disrupted um, and are soon to be put out of business because, um, as, as you say, we as consumers, the the power is in our hands to switch from from one to another. Yeah, yeah. I, I was struggling with an airport parking site yesterday, trying to find the difference between registering <laughs> and logging in, um, because th- they asked me to do both through the same click. But when you went through, uh, there was only one option, and I wasn't the right person. Uh, I hadn't qualified, so it, it was incredibly frustrating. Now, I guess the the pandemic. I mean, to look on the positive side, the pandemic has pushed us all, and I include my company in this, to transform digitally. And we've been pushed hard with it, with enterprises seizing DX opportunities that probably wouldn't even have seemed possible in 2019. Um, And the obvious factors include starting hybrid working and migrating to the cloud. And yet we've We've done so much of that successfully. So I shouldn't be churlish and, and overlook what has been achieved. Are there any other factors, Perry, that have been important that you'd want to mention, like switching to 5G private networks or edge compute or something I haven't mentioned? Yeah, uh, no, I mean, I, I agree with all of that, that Jeremy. I would, I would re-highlight or, or refocus on the, the consumer changes that have happened over the over the pandemic and those are really what uh, are driving businesses to 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 enact these changes and and deliver either for their employees for the workforce um, or or for their markets um, you know the, the the tech industry was once a uh, a young person's game um, and uh, all of these organizations um, who served different communities that were not as uh, technologically uh, focused have just just become so in the last two years, right? They haven't had a choice um, in order to keep the businesses keep doing their business and the consumers keep consuming. Um, everybody has had to become much more aware of the role that technology plays in our in our lives, um, and I think that has, has you know ripped the covers uh, off of um, some of these areas that have, have been less uh, less well served and are are struggling or you know focusing on on catching up. Yeah, I think people have got away with it for a number of years. And there's an old saying about when the tide goes out, you can see who's been swimming naked. (laughs) Exactly. Thanks, Perry. Uh, That's been really helpful. Turning to you, Ash, Conga tells us that between now and 2024, roughly 50% of all finance artificial intelligence uh, projects will be delayed or cancelled. When I read that, I was I was pretty shocked. So I, I guess we've got about 15 minutes left to try and save an awful lot of projects globally from going pear-shaped. Gartner is predicting that half of all finance projects will be cancelled. That's a shocking statistic. Why is this affecting AI so badly? I think it is because AI is a big trend. And a lot of things, times what happens with trends, the world feels they need to be doing it. And a lot of the time, a lot of organizations are not ready. You know, especially when you go to AI, you've got the, you know, upfront infrastructure. You need the talent in your business because it takes a lot of work. You need to continuously monitor it and stay on top of it. And organizations are simply not ready. But the biggest failing point is all around our current data structures. AI is only as good as the data is looking at. And many organizations need to get a handle on the data 
where it is, understand how much processes they can automate, how many systems they can get integrated to be able to drive that real, real intelligence. So organizations need to get a handle on their data, but also get a handle on what are they trying to learn? You know, what are the data sets and what is going to provide the information that's going to help them drive business decisions using AI? So it's kind of their part before the horse. When it comes to AI, they should be very much focused on, you know, data ingestion and handling, getting a clear data architecture, looking at the flow of data from multiple systems, from multiple teams to multiple processes, get the alignment, get the understanding, then start to look at some basic standard machine learning algorithms, train teams up, get them used to using them, and then look to the remediation stage. Well, now you know, what are you going to do? So they're the three stages of an AI project. The majority of business are on step one, which is getting a handle of that data. So is the use of business process outsourcing for AI rising significantly? And if so, how much is it increasing and why? I think a lot of it is, is trying to get the handle on the data. You know, people are looking for that expertise. Like we said, there's either lack of bandwidth or lack of talent in the organization to have that true understanding. And you need to do that kind of business process automation. You need to be getting a handle on it, visibility. So a lot of times what organizations will do, if they don't have it internally, will outsource it to experts that can give them that advice and structure that they need to put them on the right path. Um, So yeah, it's something that they need the expertise and might not have within their business. Yeah. So um, should finance leaders spend time um, adapting their revenue operations transformation by assessing their current digital maturity? Is that getting a handle, as you say? Um, Do people really think that automation will solve their problems or are they being a bit naive? No, I do think an assessment is really, really important, but not just around process automation. When we do a transformation assessment, we do around a kind of a five-step framework. What we want to do is get a handle on understanding of the data set. So there's an an assessment framework around creating the unified data model. So we understand where all the systems are. We understand where the data is, how it moves, how it's kind of organized within the business to understand that level of maturity within an organization. The next stage will be is how many processes might be happening away from systems, such as sending out documents. A lot of the time, parts of those processes get done in Outlook. People generate them and there's no visibility all the time so how much of those processes are within the system then we look at automation and that's where we look at the processes and the people in a lot of detail then we look at integration it's great to fix one department and get their data right and make sure they're in the system with all their documents and they're automating their processes but revenue uh, lifecycle management is all about the connection of the creating the connected customer experience across multiple systems and teams. So integration is a really key on their level of maturity on how well data is moving across different systems that they already have in place. And then we do the assessment around intelligence. What do they have today? Where do they want to get to? So by breaking down an assessment um, into kind of stages and assessing different levels of maturity, because some people are more mature at different stages, it's really important to do the assessment to be able to get a handle on the size of the project and then look at a crawl, walk, run. What's realistic on data configuration? What's realistic on all your document management and systemizing everything? 
process automation, integration, and that, and have a five-step strategy that's taking you to that unified data model that makes AI more of a reality. I think that's really helpful. Uh, five steps will be something that uh, I'm sure we can all refer to now. Ash, thank you. We've reached the what the tech section of the pod. And after a fairly serious discussion, let's just look for a moment at what in the world of tech has amazed or amused us lately. Ash, perhaps you go first. What amazing tech news have you seen? I guess the one that amused me the most was getting people back to work by using plants, which I thought was really, really strange. Plants, <laughs> um, right. Yeah, I, you know, I see so many organizations trying to get people back in and food used to be the key driver to get people kind of motivated. It works with me. Yeah, exactly. You know, so I do think a lot of people after COVID are kind of now conscious of being out and about and getting fit and healthy again. Um, but I thought plants was quite a strange one. Um, I don't know if it's something that would get me into the office, but it seems to be working for some. Um, so that story was on wired.co.uk. I think the headline is employers are luring workers back to the office with plants. We'll, we'll put links to all of these stories in the transcript. So anybody who wants to read them for themselves, they can find it. Like you, I love that. It shows a slight change of uh, uh, expectation and motivation. Perry, what's been in the news that made you smile? Well, smile, not so much uh, amazing, but uh, I hope we've all seen uh, that Microsoft has decided to sunset, put out to pasture their renowned Internet Explorer um, after uh, 27 years. I think it was it was amazing, first of all, that, that it's been 27 years. I can, I can remember back uh, very, very lightly a time before Internet Explorer, um, but it just seems that, that those 27 years have gone um, have gone very quickly. Um, but I could I could almost hear the 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 chorus of developers rejoicing that they no longer needed to support uh, older versions of, uh, of of Internet Explorer. Uh, I know certainly some of my uh, my close colleagues uh, have have dealt with that in the past years. Yeah, this was a story in many places, but I saw it on BBC. .co.uk, Microsoft retires Internet Explorer after 27 years. I don't even ask for my tech colleagues' uh, opinion on that, but I'm sure relief will be in there somewhere. Indeed. Well, I want to thank you both for sparing time to chat. It's been great to have you both on the podcast. Let me say a big thank you first to Ashling Finnegan of Conga. It's been great to have you here, Ash. Thank you. And how can people reach you for more information? What's the best way to contact you? Uh, one of the best ways to contact me is obviously on LinkedIn. I have a profile there under Ash Finnegan, Digital Transformation Officer Conga. That's heavily where I engage with many people or go to Conga website and contact any of the Conga team. I'm the only Digital Transformation Officer. So it was quite easy for businesses to reach out and connect. That's great. And our thanks also to Perry Krug of Couchbase. It's been a real pleasure to have you join us, Perry. Uh, my pleasure, Jeremy. Thank you for having me. And where can people find you? Uh, yeah, like like Ash, uh, I'm, I'm all over LinkedIn. Um, I'm also just very simply Perry at Couchbase.com. Uh, so uh, I welcome you to, uh, to reach out. Well, of course, thank you too to our audience around the world. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the Trending Tech Podcast wherever you found us today. And although it may not seem a big deal to anyone else, it would mean the world to us if you could give us a five-star rating and leave a review. 
It helps new listeners find us to join our growing global audience. Many thanks if you can. So until next time, keep safe, keep checking iot-now.com, the ee.ai and vanillaplus.com, where you'll find more tech news, plus videos, top-level interviews, event reviews, and much, much more. And join us again soon for another trending tech podcast looking at enterprise digital transformations. Bye for now.